What's up, everybody? How's it going? You're listening to the Art Pros, and we're here today to talk to you about some more topics about art. Um, welcome. We are the Paid Artists on Instagram. That's paid.artists. And we have a website, www.artprospodcast.com, and we have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash artprospodcast. If you like what you hear today... Or if you like us and are thinking about supporting us, go ahead and hop on over and give us a few bucks for less than the price of coffee. You can support two very, very uh, full but starving for more quality content to be created. Artists. Uh, well, anyway, I don't want to get too long-winded with that uh, plug. Here we go. Now we got a whole hour to fill. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it for our content, everybody. <laughs> All right, have a good night. That's what you're paying for. Okay, we're going to switch it up. I want you to close your eyes. If you're driving, let the art pros take the wheel. We have a story for you. Thousands of years ago, there was no land, nor sun, nor moon, nor stars, and the world was only a great sea of water, above which stretched the sky. The water was the kingdom of the god, Maguayan, and the sky was ruled by the great god Captan. Maguayan had a daughter called Lidigat, the sea, and Captan had a son known as Lihangin, the wind. The gods agreed to the marriage of their children, so the sea became the bride of the wind. Three sons and a daughter were born to them. The sons were called Likalibutan, Lidlao, Libulan, and the daughter received the name of Lisuga. The Kalibutan had a body of rock and was strong and brave. Lidlao was formed of gold and was always happy. Libulan was made of copper and was weak and timid. And the beautiful Lisuga had a body of pure silver and was sweet and gentle. Their parents were very fond of them and nothing was wanting to make them happy. After a time, Lihangan died and left the control of the winds to his eldest son, Likalibutan. The faithful wife, Lidigat, soon followed her husband, and the children, now grown up, were left without father or mother. However, their grandfathers, Kaptan and Maguayan, took care of them and guarded them from all evil. After a time, Likalibutan, proud of his power over the winds, resolved to gain more power and asked his brothers to join him in an attack on Captan in the sky above. At first they refused, but when Likalibutan became angry with them, the amiable, <laughs> the amiable Lidlao, not wishing to offend his brother, agreed to help. Then together, they induced the timid Libulan to join in the plan. When all was ready, the three brothers rushed at the sky, but they could not beat down the gates of steel that guarded the entrance. Then... Likalibutan let loose the strongest winds and blew the bars in every direction. 
the brothers rushed into the opening but were met by the angry god Captain. So terrible did he look that they turned and ran in terror. But Captain, furious at the destruction of his gates, sent three bolts of lightning after them. The first struck the copper Libulan and melted him into a ball. The second struck the golden Lidlau, and he too was melted. The third bolt struck Likalibutan, and his rocky body broke into many pieces and fell into the sea. So huge was he that the parts of his body stuck out above the water and became what is known as land. In the meantime, the gentle Lisuga had missed her brothers and started to look for them. She went toward the sky, but as she approached the broken gates, Captain, blind with anger, struck her too with lightning, and her silver body broke into thousands of pieces. Captain then came down from the sky and tore the sea apart, calling on Magwayan to come to him and accusing him of ordering the attack on the sky. Soon Magwayan appeared and answered that he knew nothing of the plot as he had been asleep for down in the sea, far down in the sea. After a time, he succeeded in calming the angry Captain. Together they wept at the loss of their grandchildren, especially the gentle and beautiful Lisuga. But with all their power, they could not restore the dead to life. However, they gave to each body a beautiful light that will shine forever. And so it was that golden Lidlau became the sun and copper Libulan the moon, while the thousands of pieces of silver Lisuga shine as the stars of heaven. To wicked Likalibutan, the gods gave no light, but resolved to make his body support a new race of people. So Captan gave Magwayan a seed, and he planted it on the land, which, as you will remember, was part of Likalibutan's huge body. <laughs> Wait, are you Likalibutan? I am pretty ripped. <laughs> Soon, a bamboo tree grew up, and from the hollow of one of its branches, a man and a woman came out. The man's name was Sikalak, and the woman was called Sikabe. They were the parents of the human race. Their first child was a son whom they called Libo. Afterwards, they had a daughter who was known as Saman. Pandaguan was a younger son, and he had a son called Orion. Pandaguan was very clever and invented a trap to catch fish. The very first thing he caught was a huge shark. When he brought it to land, it looked so great and fierce that he thought it was surely a god, and he at once ordered his people to worship it. Soon, all gathered around and began to sing and pray to the shark. Suddenly, the sky and sea opened, and the gods came out and ordered Pandaguan to throw the shark back into the sea and worship none but them. All were afraid except Pandaguan. He grew very bold and answered that the shark was as big as the gods, and that since he had been able to overpower it, he would also be able to conquer the gods. Then Captain, hearing this, struck Pandaguan with a small thunderbolt, for he did not wish to kill him but merely to teach him a lesson. Then he and Magwayan decided to punish these people by scattering them over the earth. So they carried some to one land and some to another. Many children were afterwards born, and thus the earth became inhabited in all parts. Pendaguan did not die. After lying on the ground for 30 days, he regained his strength. But his body was blackened from the lightning, and all his descendants ever since that day had been black. His first son, Orion, was taken north, but as he had been born before his father's punishment, he did not lose his color, and all his people therefore are white. Libo and Saman were carried south, where the hot sun scorched their bodies and caused all their descendants to be of a brown color. A son of Saman and a daughter of Sikalak 
were carried east where the land at first was so lacking in food that they were compelled to eat clay. On this account, their children and their children's children have always been yellow in color. And so the world came to be made and peopled. The sun and moon shine in the sky, and the beautiful stars light up the night. All over the land, on the body of the envious Lakalubatan, the children of Sikalak and Sikabay have grown in great numbers. May they forever live in peace and brotherly love. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was amazing. So, um, what were we just listening to there, Gage? Uh, did we preface it? Preface? No, we didn't. What that was. So, for those of you out there who were like, "What the fuck are these people talking about?" <laughs> I'm just here for an art pros episode. That was one version of a Filipino creation myth from the Visaya region. Um, and it is a creation myth that was passed down orally and recorded by. A man named John Maurice Miller in 1904. So, and see, that's what that uh, one important distinction to make about these creation myths is that most of them are passed down orally. There's not a lot of writing that's left behind before the Spanish colonized the Philippines. There's not a lot of much. Uh, I mean, if we if we want to go there, um, there's some. Some writing here and there, but people are, are like, you know, not exactly sure why this Spanish guy was writing about these past Filipino things, or a lot of them are written by Spanish people. Um, so it's really hard to tell because a lot of these myths, uh, the names are different depending on the region that you hear this story from, but most of the time the story is the same. In this particular story, it is uh, an exciting and, and, and thrilling s mythology that you might, you know, it might remind you of uh, Greek mythology or, or polytheism or something like that. Yeah, like you know? when uh, Zeus led the Olympians against the Titans. Just like the movie Hercules, if you remember that. It's classic Disney film. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot like that. Pandaguan had to rest for 30 days before rising again. So he's pretty much like a Jesus. Yeah, Jesus figure. Isn't that um yeah. 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 Thirty There's, days and thirty nights. There's some similarities. Too bad it was inferior to Christianity and Catholicism, so it didn't <laughs> really last. So it was obviously there's obviously a lot wrong with that story. I mean, I have no <laughs> problem with subscribing to it. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool. Yeah. I think it's really cool. It's a nice way to like look back at uh Filipino history and in in a time when there's you know much of what we have kind of reflects the colonists that have been there you know what's interesting though is that uh pandaguan the the jesus figure in this story the one who led the revolt of humans against the gods became he became black and all of his descendants were black and remember he's the one who caught the shark so he's most badass i don't know what that tells you but pretty cool wait you mean like he got struck by lightning and, and he just he like turned, turned into like a piece of coal no Did he turned into like <laughs> he uh he rose he rose back after resting for 30 days and then his descendants returned black he's just like straight up black i guess like so. a black ghost person like some sort of is he be is he evil no 
No. I mean, I, in in my opinion of the story, no. He was the one who just challenged the God's dominion. If well, anything, he's a rebel, and I tend to side with uh, rebels. Apparently, apparently, um, somewhere along the line of human... Uh, I don't know what you call that. Cave humans uh, walking around the earth when the continents were connected. Apparently... A lot of people from the Philippines walked over from Africa. Yeah. That's why their skin is very dark in the mountain regions, and they look kind of like black people. Isn't there... There's an island called Negros, which is like... Uh, yeah. All Negros, like super dark people. Negros Occidental. And uh, Negros Oriental. East and West, for those of you who don't know what those things mean. Yes. <laughs> so you're learning a lot now. Um, we just wanted to share that because... I feel like Filipino culture and myth has been overshadowed by uh, Western culture and myth. So I just want, I've been doing research into it and I just wanted to share that story with y'all. It has not a lot to do with, with the art pros typical content, but you know, for a lot of artists, cultural identity is a big point of motion for their practice and maybe it will be for us too maybe you guys will listen to that story and be like damn that's pretty cool like i'm not filipino but i'm gonna make some filipino art yeah it's interesting you know uh there's a lot of uh history from other cultures that's easy to look back at like and there's also a lot of history from many other cultures that just nobody knows about at all so with filipino people being a very well-known uh, culture ethnicity in the world it's kind of surprising that it's as hard as it is to find ancient history like ancient art by filipino people like if you think back at it you can uh let's bring up some common ones like if you think about ancient egypt you know you think about hieroglyphics in the pyramid and if the you sphinx I the, love sphinx. the sphinx yeah, yeah the, the big badass cat man and aliens probably too yeah because yeah, <laughs> egyptians you know aliens helped them out probably and then <laughs> ancient south american culture yeah exactly it's yeah. a very similar thing they have pyramids also and they are uh sometimes people talk about the sacrifices human sacrifices that's pretty hardcore and jaguars uh, maybe that's just me but <laughs> yeah you got native american ancient history you got african a lot of african ancient history um but not a ton of Chinese ancient history, not a lot of the Filipino ancient history. I don't, even as a Filipino person, I don't know a lot. So hearing stories like that, it's cool to me. And knowing that it's word of mouth, that's kind of cool too. It's, it sucks that there's not a lot of written stuff about it. There's very little that I know about the actual agreed upon first written language by filipino people i i know that it's called baibayin or something like that and i think it derives from the regions around the philippines because i all i remember reading that the philippines were uh very successful and and good at trading with the other countries around them like indonesia and china for one they would just like you know since they were in a good position to take their boats and go from place to place they just shared stuff shared knowledge yeah we had like merchant level ships in like the late 17th century there's like drawings of it from, for sure yeah so i guess i guess back in the day the philippines were pretty like advanced in terms of their politics but instead of being a unified island nation 
they had sections of like different tribes yeah and different uh and i guess there were bigger ones in there but it wasn't like one philippines you know the philippines was filled with lots of different types of filipinos i guess yeah wasn't that for a long time there was like spanish loyalists and then there was like united visayans and then the tagalog federation that were all vying for power in the philippines i think like late 19th century um one thing that filipinos have always been good at uh when i see in myths is fishing and naval travel so Mm. you know that's just something to keep in mind we are travelers and we love the water I'm not good at... I've never fished before, so I don't know how good I am. You might just grab one right out of the water, grab a whole <laughs> shark. Like, uh, I don't know if I, about the stick, but uh, <laughs> if you have a, a spear or something. I don't, Honestly, I think I have a ancestor that's a spear thrower or something. Isn't there... There's like a type... There's like a specific uh, ethnic group in the Philippines that like has a special diving gene. Where they can hold their breath for like a really long time and they, they dive on the seafloor. They have a diving gene? Yeah, like genetically they're different from, they're like a genetic aberration and they, <laughs> I think it's like Bilbao or something. And they, they go, traditionally they spearfish on the seafloor with no scuba equipment. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was on the internet. Yeah, I saw that. I was this- like, damn, finally Filipino shit. This dude, like, holds his breath for 20 minutes or something and just releases all of the air in his lungs and just sinks to the bottom. And he's holding, like, this rubber band with a stick. Yeah. And he just gets a fish, Mm. gets another fish. Swims back up. up. Five. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's, like, 30 feet underwater, at least. I mean, that's something where, like, how many Filipinos had to die for that, for that, for those genes to be passed down? you know <laughs> <laughs> like who thought of doing that like a filipino people oh, dude it's cool i just you know if you if you hold your breath for a little or like breathe in and out for a while and then exhale you can sink 50 feet underwater <laughs> and then it's way easier to catch the fish they're like all right fred <laughs> jonas jacob you guys are gonna go to the bottom of the ocean <laughs> and you're gonna go hunting uh there's a there's a bird right Ooh. over there. Hey, get in the fucking water! Hey, what are you, a wuss? <laughs> what are you, a wuss? You don't want to dive underwater 50 feet without any air in your lungs? We lost Jonas and Fred, but uh, Jameson, or whatever I named him, is going to have a lot of kids. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. That's exciting. It's a little bit of stuff to share about ancient Filipino culture. You can literally hear how little uh, the both of us know about Filipino shit. And I know. <laughs> I've, I blame that on, you know, my cultural erasure. It's uh, it's sad. Yeah. I wish I could look back and copy my ancient ancestral art knowledge so I can take advantage of the identity politics and then make some really good art. Oh, yeah, it'd be so cool to get clout. If But the, the problem with that is that... Um, like gallery owners and viewers need to have at least some concept at, at least the even the True. most racist minuscule stereotyping <laughs> concept of filipino culture for you to make something and for them to identify it but there's so little like aside from like really basic like oh duterte shit there's so little filipino representation in media that it would be you'd have to first introduce them to filipino culture like over time and then start making art about it 
Oh, uh, well, uh, there's Swagapinos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to explain yeah. what that is? Swagapinos? Oh, y'all know what Swagapinos are. <laughs> you know, snapbacks, uh, hype beast clothing, only cool stuff. Swaggy uh, hip hop dancing. Yeah. The whole nine yards. They Rice were... rockets. Yeah. Oh, you mean uh, souped up cool cars? Acura Integras and Honda <laughs> Civics. You know, rims. Yeah, so that's what you would call a cultural subgroup within the Filipino diaspora, <laughs> right? So that's what Renz and I are going to be doing the rest of this episode on is the cultural subgroups of the, of the Filipino peoples. Oh, dude, but have you had adobo? Chicken adobo? Yeah, have you had yeah, lumpia yeah. before? I've had it at, at every American Filipino fusion restaurant I've ever been to ever in my life. <laughs> And at every Filipino gathering, yeah, I, you know, for a long time, I just assumed that the Filipino word for food was adobo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and those of you who don't know what adobo is, honestly, you should try it because it's fucking delicious. Yeah. It's just vinegar and soy sauce and garlic and bay leaves, like, and stuff. And chicken. Yeah, with chicken. You, I Sometimes mean, pork. I did it with like an omelet. It was really good. What? Like those four uh, flavor inducers. All right, so enough about Filipino shit, because a lot of you are sitting there being like, Filipino shit, I don't give a fuck about Filipino shit. Like, there's no clout attached to Filipino shit. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about something that many of you interns out there might feel pretty strongly about, might have had to deal with in your life. Uh, it's a little thing called wage theft. So, Perfect segue. Yeah, right? <laughs> wage theft. It's it's like getting your clout stolen, but when it's your money and it's done by your employer or the person who's cutting you that check. So we had uh, a wonderful guest last week, Bailey Race, who, you know, he's an illustrator. He works with a lot of people. He gets paid to make illustrations. And, you know, he makes most of his livelihood doing freelance work for other people. And it, it seems like he's only had minor problems with not getting paid, but you'd be surprised at how often laborers don't get paid. Have you ever not been paid for something, Renz? Yeah, it's happened before. Yeah. Yeah, a couple times. I, too, have had trouble getting uh, paychecks, whether that's getting paid late or getting undercut or undersold you know, by people who you don't have a contract with and you already did the work. So at this point, you're just trying to make sure you get paid something for your labor after having already delivered on the product. Um, so to give you an idea, in New York, in a sample of 5,000 freelancers across various professions like construction, marketing, and musical performance, the portion who were cheated out of income ranged around 70 to 80%. And wage theft doesn't just occur in skeevy fly-by-night transactions, but also major companies. About a third of contractors for larger firms of 150 or more employees had trouble collecting payment, as did more than 40% of these of those working for firms with five or fewer employees. I, I took that from the national.com. So, I mean, that's a huge percentage of people. That is a lot. Yeah. That's uh between three and four thousand people. Holy cannoli! Yeah, from from a a sample of five thousand freelancers. What? Um, a lot of people have to cope with this income loss by using their personal savings and borrowing from friends. Nearly half of the people sampled who faced income loss took on credit card debt, 
and seven percent of them tapped into public assistance. Hmm. See, that's what happens. That's what happens when, as an artist, you need to. This is something we've talked about in previous episodes. Is you need to have some sort of sense of business skills, but that doesn't always come naturally for everybody. So a lot of people have to learn the hard way, and that might mean trusting somebody too much, putting in the work for whatever art piece that they want to commission you for, and then at the end of the day, they ghost you. Straight ghosted. Yeah, I mean, often when you're doing freelance work, you're especially if you're just starting out, you're so excited to get an opportunity, you'll seal the deal with like a verbal agreement or like a handshake or something, which is not actionable. Yeah, which is not very actionable or able to be protected, you know, in the court system. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, that's what you have to deal with when you're a young, up-and-coming, budding artist. You're a freelancer. Maybe you just got out of school or you're you're in school doing the work uh, that you will be doing professionally. And you get someone to offer you a deal. Hey. I love this illustration you did of SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> and I want you to paint my baby. <laughs> Can you do it for $500? I want you to paint an 18 by 24 piece. And you're like, yeah, 18 by 24, 500 bucks. Deal. You shake on it. You get their contact information, their text phone number. And you start texting them pictures as soon as you start working on it. They're saying they love it. They love it. They love it. And then you're like, done. In two weeks, you spent all these hours. It's perfect. You love it. They said they, they think it looks awesome. They can't wait to put it up. And next thing you know, you're like, all right, that'll be $500. And they're like, oh, can I uh, pay you half? Oh, uh, hey, can I pay you this much and pay you this much later? And Or they just be like, no, I don't really like how it looks anymore. Uh, I don't know if I want it anymore. And then you're sitting there, you've invested 30 hours of your time, and this person just straight up says, I don't like it anymore. Hey, listen, Garrett. Uh, you know, I was going to pay you 500 bucks, but it, you know, it only took you two weeks. How much effort could it really have taken? I mean, I, it takes me, you know three days to make 500 bucks. I, I don't think that I should pay you $500 for this painting. Would you take 250? Now, Garrett is sitting there, you know, $90 worth of art materials in, maybe between 20 and 45 hours of labor in, and Garrett just needs to make rent by the first. And you guys agreed upon paying on the 29th so that Garrett has time to get to the bank deposit his money, pay that paycheck, pay that rent. But you know, Garrett got shafted. Now Garrett is facing eviction notices from his landlord because every week Garrett's uh, employer, quote unquote, is saying, oh, I'll get you the other half, you know, by Friday. I'll get you the other half by March. I'll get you the other half by February. I'll get you the other half by, you know, when I get around to it. And this is a common occurrence, especially for low-level, low-wage employees. And this doesn't just affect freelancers. Wage theft happens most rampantly to low-income people who are making less than $20,000 a year. So 
it's pretty bad. But wage theft doesn't just come in the form of not paying. It comes in the form of paying late, which, you know, some people rely on getting their income in a timely manner. It comes in the form of getting asked by your boss to stay after, after you've clocked out. Or it comes in the manner of working overtime without getting paid overtime hours as is your, uh, you know, lawful right. It comes in the manner of getting paid under minimum wage because you are not documented as a worker. Mm. And the problem with being, the problem with wage theft happening most often to low wage employees, people making less than $20,000 a year, is that the legal fees to recover, you know, $2,000, $3,000 from your employer far outweigh the cost of just taking the loss. So a lot of people just take the loss. Because why would you hire a lawyer for $1,800 to get, you know, $2,000 in civil in a civil case? Right. And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Gage brought up a really good point saying that uh, if someone steals from you, they steal your car, they steal your property, you can go to the cops and have them help you out with it. Uh, if you know if it's even possible if you know any suspect whatever but you can go to somebody to help you out if someone ends up stealing your stuff or stealing anything from you in this case if your employer is stealing your hard work and effort and time you really don't have a lot of options to go to especially if it most commonly happens to people that are broke yeah no and it's it accounts for something like four or five times the amount i know i think it's closer to like like three times the amount is stolen in wages as is stolen in vehicles a year mm. from American workers. And it isn't just like, you know, seedy restaurants or like bad freelance hirers. It's places like Walmart, you know, had to pay out something like, I don't know, like $124 million last year or something in, in wage theft fees. But the problem is that a lot of employers will hit you with retaliation. So, Renz, your fake boss, mm -hmm. because we're our own bosses, we're paid audists, tells you, hey, you have to stay after and, you know, you have to mop the floors. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not paying you because I expect the shop to be cleaned every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was so busy today at the flower shop that you didn't have time to clean it. So you have to clean it, but I'm not paying you for that extra time. Mm -hmm. And you go, hey, fuck you. You know, I don't care about your flower shop. I am an, I'm an employee, not a stakeholder. And I have dinner plans tonight with my fiance. And your employer says, I'll fire you if you don't. Okay. That See, this is what I do. I would uh, wait till the shop owner leaves. And then close up the front of the metal gate thing. You know how they have protected. And then I'll paint a mural of the shop that looks really, really clean. <laughs> and then I'll go home. That's very artistic of you. Because then I would have like a portfolio piece to put into my portfolio for when he fires me the next day. That's really intelligent. <laughs> That's a good way to deal with what's called employer retaliation. Yeah. So threats of getting fired, verbal abuse uh getting different hours that are clearly unfair changes in hours or demotions 
for when you complain about wage theft, those are called employer retaliations. Mm-hmm. And employers often do it, uh, you know, when people try to unionize too. So, for example, if you work for Amazon and you're like talking to a bunch of other Amazon warehouse em- employees and you're like, wow, like they only let us go to the bathroom once a day and we have to clock out when we do it and we think that's kind of fucked up, we should unionize. And then they just threaten to fire you. And, you know, you're working for Amazon Warehouse. It's the only job you could get because Amazon knocked out all the other businesses in the area. And there's nothing to protect you. What do you mean you want to unionize because of... What are you, uh, what are you using you, these diapers we got you guys for, huh? Well, what are you, what's the big deal having to go to the bathroom one time a day? We're giving you all <laughs> these diapers. You're not using them? Unionizing. <laughs> what you talking about? That's what they're saying. And they dock your pay for the diapers, too. That's extra fucked up. Yeah. And it wasn't in your contract when you signed up because you didn't get a contract. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Maryland, uh, an employer can fire you at any time at their discretion for any reason as long as they have a reason. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Technically, uh, whether you actually sign a contract or not, you're con- you're, you are under a an overarching contract in maryland when you are on someone's payroll so who's firing you like if you don't have a contract can you be fired yeah yeah, yeah. no you definitely can i mean like i could i, I guess never so. sign a contract with my boss that guarantees me hours um but if he fires me uh, you know like let's say like he's like hey gage i don't like filipinos and i'm like hey man that's fucking racist <laughs> And he fires me. I don't really have a civil case because I said, hey, that's fucking racist, you know? So there's nobody in the state to protect people from that? There are there are advocacy groups and there's laws in place. So, for example, what got me on this is that New York City recently passed a law called the Freelance Isn't Free Act, which essentially gave the Office of Labor Policy and Standards within the Department of Consumer Affairs an ally for freelancers in the government. So instead of having to go through a civil court case and going through the justice system, you can reach out to this organization, which is still, you know, your taxpayer funded, that will send uh, citations and warnings and help you recover your funds. And they also raise the fine for every, you know, wage theft complaint. And some of the other things that this Freelance Isn't Free Act did was if you're a freelancer and you try and recover your funds under this Freelance Isn't Free Act and the company is still like, I'm not going to pay you, and you go to a civil court case and you win, they have to pay you double plus legal fees. So hmm. they're de-incentivizing businesses from you know shafting freelancers. See, here's the problem with this whole thing is that the name and it's the name freelancer is the problem gabe <laughs> so people are sitting here thinking it's actually free so all they have to do is change it to pay big bucks lancers <laughs> and everything i guarantee you will be fixed everyone will be happy interns do you guys like that name pay big bucks lancers i kind of fuck with that Freelance isn't free. Freelancers? Yeah, come on. Let's get on the Neil Young tip and sing folk songs about 
uh, unionism. Well, it's some other guy. I forget who was saying about <laughs> unionism, some country musician or, or something like that. Anyway. I wonder if that'd be like a good way to defend yourself in court as a as a company that didn't pay a freelancer. Be like, yeah. I just assumed that in the name it said freelancer and his name was Lance. <laughs> So, uh, well, your honor, why does he call himself a freelancer if he wants us to pay up? See? There it is. There it is, folks. The answer to all of our uh, wage theft problems. No, but, but really, though, it's a big deal. People are out there really trying to grind. People are out there getting taken advantage of. And whether or not they're savvy enough to be able to write a contract, which is a skill. It's a skill that a lot of artists don't really have the opportunity to learn. When, If, for example, they go to art school to learn their trade, that's not commonly taught in a lot of art schools. Uh, and business practices in general, I think it is probably getting a little better for a lot of more uh, a lot more schools that are savvy to that yeah but not a lot of i don't think a lot of schools are really preparing in the same way as the you know more rich art schools or the more highly ranked art schools i don't know whatever you want to call it the more expensive art schools well i mean you if know? you've been uh if you've been introduced to the concept of law in general like if your dad knows a lawyer or is a lawyer or you've ever had to actually like see someone in your life get a contract honored you might you know know about some of this stuff but a lot of people are just not um literate in their rights or the laws that surround what they can and can't defend themselves against yeah i mean if we're talking about the real world here right if if the world was fair which we all know it's not then you can't rightfully expect a an adult a legal adult to 100% know about contracts and business. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, people should be responsible for learning that stuff, especially if they're going to participate in the system of capitalism. Yeah, but where do you go to learn it? Well, if, if you've never if, been if, around anybody. That's what I'm, I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, that's what's getting taken advantage of. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be the, oh, it's a free country argument. Uh, oh, well, they shouldn't have done it without a contract. This is my free market at work. Yeah. I mean, that's the hard knock life. It's, it's unfortunately, that's what you're going to get hit with. You're going to get hit with the real world, not the show, not the TV show, but real life people taking real advantage of <laughs> of you your, yeah. <laughs> yeah your naivete so here's a here's a art pros tip from us when it comes to your fucking money don't be polite so i've run into this issue in my freelancing life where uh i'm like hey maybe i should drop a contract or get an email confirmation that they're going to pay this amount so i have some sort of paper trail and the thought crosses my mind, is it weird or impolite to talk to to request or act like I don't think that they're gonna honor their agreement with me? You know, like nothing's more important than a person's word, right? They're not gonna try and shaft me on pay. And that I'm assuming that that's something well, I'm not assuming that I have a stats for it somewhere, but I can't I don't have it pulled up right now. A lot a portion of freelancers in that five thousand freelancers study said that 
a lot of their employers, maybe like 40% of them or something, refuse to sign a contract. Huh. And instead of cutting them off right there or saying, I'm not doing work for you until I get a contract, they followed through with executing the labor and not getting paid for their for their efforts. And when we say freelancers, we're not just talking artists. We're talking like people who do IT, carpenters, uh, caterers, stuff like that, where you're not getting you're not getting paid and people don't want to sign a contract with you. Do I think that every artist and every laborer in general should figure out or learn how to sign a contract? Yeah. And I also think that you shouldn't be so polite as to not request that they sign one because they should yeah i mean i definitely agree um but if you did if you didn't need to write a contract where would you go you know where would you go for legal advice like that do you just google a default contract template do you google a memorandum or something what's because a memorandum a memorandum of understanding is a similar thing to a contract. Like it's a, it might not be a contract that includes paying, but it's a contract that says you understand the statements that you know are uh, important to whatever both parties agree on. So I guess it's like if you understand this memorandum, I'm giving this memorandum of understanding to all of our interns. Uh, and if they agree to understand that they're listening to the Art Pros podcast to learn and get educated on very intelligent <laughs> topics, then um, they will get accredited at the end of our episodes with I uh, extra IQ and clout point. Yeah, like major IQ gains and clouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found, you know, it took me a quick Google search. There's a website called lawdepot.com. Um, from what it seems, it's a completely free independent contractor agreement that you can download, email, or print instantly. And it even has a little widget built in where you can specify what in your contract you need written down. So price, whether it's a single job, a fixed term, or indefinitely. And also it tells you which states this contract will be applicable and will protect your rights in there's also if you wanted to learn a little bit more about certain laws some states will have volunteer lawyer nonprofit organizations that'll like you could reach out to or maybe they even do their own workshops where you can just jump in and learn stuff that they're teaching in if you're in maryland if you're around the baltimore area there's an organization called the maryland volunteer lawyers for the arts and they often hold workshops, so that's you know good for them. There's a lot of opportunities like that in the city, and a lot of organizations that uh, give out services for artists to learn more stuff about. Yeah, I mean it's pretty cool. I was doing like some after-school programming, and like in one of the classrooms next to mine, a lawyer came in. I guess he came in every Wednesday to basically teach. He was there to teach the kids about legal literacy, but a lot of the kids' parents showed up too. And it was just like basic shit, like, uh, you know, protection against eviction, protection against wage theft, um, you know, stuff like that. Discrimination. Uh, they focused a lot on protecting yourself against like job place discrimination, which is important. Uh, by the way, wage theft affects women of color at a significantly higher rate than all other demographics 
if that's something that that tickles your fancy to keep in mind why is the world so unfair why do we need to protect ourselves from all of this marginalization i don't know but we're here we're here for you guys you can email us if you have any questions. I am. Uh, this is my work. This is part of what I do as an art professional. Oh shit! I'm so sorry. I didn't is, mean to bring work to work to playtime. To do is to do <laughs> administration and and to help people out with any questions they have on the back end of art because uh, in the real world, in the real world, we're out here. It's a jungle. We're competing for resources and cheeseburgers and and impossible burgers you know you're not getting any handouts that year i'm i'm out here i just got off work i'm out in the real world doing what i gotta do to survive and help y'all with wage theft <laughs> yeah it's not it's not the the most fun topic but the thing is is that wage theft and pretty much every criminal uh stealing of your time and your life which is the main thing that you can't get back. So every dollar stolen from you, if you're an hourly worker, is also time in your life that is stolen from you. The main reason people can get away with that is because most workers aren't aware that they can protect themselves against it or aren't aware that there are resources for them to better protect themselves against it. Shit, I didn't know that there are resources for me to better protect myself against it. Yeah, and it, you know, honestly, I it sucks that... There are a lot of people out there that do have to learn the hard way and they got to get hit with it before they can scramble around and look at ways to save themselves from what they just got hit with. Or maybe somebody just has that bad client that doesn't pay and it just crushes their motivation and self-esteem to continue doing what they do. That really sucks. It really sucks. What if you're uh, designing a website and, you know, it's a $5,000 project you tell all your other projects, hey, sorry, I got too much stuff in the pipeline. I, I can't I can't do it. Any prospective employers, you just turn away. And then at the end of it, because you didn't get a contract, the people are like, uh, we decided to just go on squarespace.com and make it ourselves because it's so quick and easy. <laughs> oh. And then you don't have work. You're out $5,000 and you have your daughter's piano recital to go to and you can't even buy her that piano for the recital. Next thing you know, you get arrested for stealing ramen and tuna and yeah. you know, like everything goes downhill. We don't want any of that to happen. Unless <laughs> it's part of your cool artist persona where you're like edgy and hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so... I mean, getting a getting a contract. There's resources out there. I wish I wish I could. Uh, I wish I had a big loudspeaker or something that's plugged into everyone's ears that I can give them advice to, so I can tell them that hey, you can get a free contract and legal some simple legal representation for your for your freelance work or whatever you do if you look up these volunteer lawyers or if you go to lawdepot.com but if you get that make sure you uh put a clause in put a clause in for getting paid forward and you know uh what, what do they call it gage when you uh put a down payment on something oh yeah uh dang i don't know make them pay you half up front 
up front. Yeah. You got to get some up front. You can call it a, what is it, like a hold? You can call it a deposit. A deposit, yeah, be whatever. Like, be like, yeah, you got to give me half up front as a deposit. If you need, to, you need to buy materials. Yeah. For exa- the thing they're buying. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if they cancel, you can return their deposit minus the cost you've already incurred. Yeah, or you can penalize them and say, I'll give you back half of what you gave me up front. Yeah, cancellation fee, motherfucker. It's cancellation been, fee. It was you were supposed to pay me four weeks ago. You're telling me now that you don't want to pay me at all. Well, you're, you know I'm taking half this deposit, bro. If yeah. not the whole thing, because that would be your right if you get yeah. them to pay a deposit. It's also a good idea to like bite off of what other businesses do. Yeah, like cell phone companies. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. You know? Yeah. So like, put, they'll charge you. Put their credit card number into the art pros patreon and have them charged every week yeah every month wow wow what an episode oh man if you're uncomfortable in like you're like oh man that just sounds like a lot of effort and like i know i'm getting wage thefted but like i'm getting paid enough if you're uncomfortable with that or you're like that just sounds lame and boring keep in mind this interns protecting yourself against wage theft is a revolutionary act because if everyone protects themselves against wage theft, then employers can't take advantage of you. Because there's no one that they can hire for less than they pay you. Hmm. Who's willing to put up with that shit? Why are you willing to put up with that shit? Yeah. Just be more difficult. Don't be so nice. Yeah. It's I mean, your time. Yeah, it really it yeah, it is your time. It is your fucking time. That's what anybody ever gets paid for. And your skills, but at the end of the day, it's still multiplied by your time. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, you know what always gets me fucking heated is when I I think of how much I make per hour. I'm like, is my life really only worth X per hour? Like, that's really depressing. Yeah. Gets real existential when you use numbers and quantify your life. Yeah, am I really only worth $1 billion an hour? That's it? (laughs) Is the art pros really only worth $4.50 of your your hard-earned paycheck? A, a month guys i don't know yeah it's real, <laughs> it's real dark it's real it's real it's real dark out here any brighter notes man any anything you just like wanted to talk about today that i just totally derailed no not really i mean i really enjoyed that story in the beginning it's nice <laughs> to start off with a little story time from from something relatively unknown i hope that you all enjoyed that that content sandwich this is what the well, we've coined it. I'm I'm gonna, unofficially. <laughs> I'm gonna start sending uh, Renz the the Filipino stories ahead of time, so he can either tell me how names are pronounced or so he can read it. Because I feel like he'd be better at reading the names than I was. Well, that's the thing is like some of these names aren't really consistent. Like like I said earlier, some of these tribes or villages or whatever you want to call it in the Philippines, they're called. Um, hmm. actually, I don't remember the proper term, so I'm not going to botch it. We'll just stick with villages. Uh, the, and you might already know that there are hundreds and hundreds of dialects in the Philippines, which is a reflection of that kind of, uh, separate, separate groups of Filipino, uh, natives, if you will. And, oh, 
what is it? What is it called? A uh, Datu. The Datu was the leader of those those groups of people. Um, all right. Now I'm just making myself look bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, trust me, I know I know a little bit. I know a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes mean, I feel like as Filipinos we suffer from from oppression theft, where mm. where our in in an in a social economy where your level of oppression can be monetized, I think that uh, the level of oppression that Filipinos faced is not accurately represented by how much social clout we get and how much we can pat ourselves on the back for having made through made it through. Dang, man, it's it's pretty uh, inspiring to start this off with this Filipino stuff because it gets me <laughs> thinking about what you just said. Maybe we should uh, cover this a little bit in the future episode. Like I, you were, I, you were talking about your theory about the hypothesis about the dog and the wolf. Oh yeah, I I definitely think that uh, from from now on this is a Panoy Pride podcast. <laughs> the oh. art Panoys. Dude, I think uh, October is Filipino Pacific Islander month. Really? Is yeah. It's not going to so. be like uh, it's not going to be like dogs in the arts month. When I get on Instagram, <laughs> it's not gonna uh, be like like cute things elephants did this month. Month, I mean, or like Mountain Dew Appreciation Month. Mountain Dew Appreciation Month might just overshadow Filipino American month. I feel like a lot of shit tends to overshadow uh, Panoy identity in general. Uh, you know, an Asian's an Asian, right? <laughs> Damn, man. Yeah, I'm feeling spicy. Wow. Yeah. Well, my eyebrows are burnt off from that comment. Uh, let's see. You ever feel that way though, for real? Like, like people assume that the Asian identity is is pretty much uniform. Like, like Filipino mm. cultural heritage is the same as like Chinese or Korean cultural heritage. Because I felt like that for a long time in my life. Um. Not. Well, so because I grew up in San Diego and there are a lot of different types of Asian and Pacific Island populations there, like I had a lot of Laotian friends, Vietnamese friends and Filipino friends and Mexican friends at my school. Yeah. So because the population was so diverse, it really wasn't that big of an issue. It was more funny if somebody like like if 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 someone didn't know they you know they just get clowned on because there were so many Vietnamese or Laotian and Filipino people around they'd be like, oh man this guy thought I was X Y and Z and everyone would be like uh you know that sucks I like I went to a if we're talking about cultural demographics I went to a really diverse school in everything but Asian. So there's a lot of different uh. Hispanic groups, a lot of like a lot of different like you know black groups that were from different you know heritages. We had a lot of Haitians at my school and a lot of people who are whose families have been in America a lot longer. A lot of white people yeah. that had you know their own cultural heritage. Depends on what you yeah. Anyways, but not a lot of Asian people. So. I never really had any concept of of diver. I mean, you know, we're half the planet if you're going by all Asians being Asian. Right. So I don't know if this statistic is 100% accurate anymore, but I do remember reading somewhere that 
Filipinos in Amer Filipino Americans, forty percent of them are in California, or some humongous percentage. Really, that's yeah. wild. And a lot of the time, this is a stereotype coming from a Filipino person. If you have a navy base in your town, that's the reason why there's so many Filipinos. Oh I'm yeah, for joking. sure, it's dude. Straight up. <laughs> yeah, that's like a or very veterans hospitals thing. or veterans hospitals yeah. is a big one too. Yeah. If you ever been on a cruise ship. It's like a huge. I, I went on a cruise once, and I I thought it was just this specific cruise. Like half the people we met were Filipino, but it turns out that that's like a stereotype that Filipinos work in the service industry on cruise ships. Huh. I didn't know about the cruise ship thing. Oh yeah, you know, because we like water so much. Mm. <laughs> we just need to sail. So, here's here's a really fairly accurate statistic. I'd say. Usually, <laughs> Filipino people are going to be a nurse in the Navy or something to do with service industry. Yeah. Yeah. And all of them drive souped up Honda Civics. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and if you go to their house, they'll have like 10 cars in the in the driveway and parked around because they're all living with their aunts and uncles yeah true <laughs> yo like when I, I i don't know if it was because of the housing crisis or what i was too young to understand why but like three of my cousin's families all moved into this like tiny house and i was like oh that's so weird you guys are like sharing a bedroom and shit because my mom my mom wasn't with that shit it was just me and her so she's like all right i'm gonna we're not gonna live with them that's stinky yeah <laughs> but yeah they had like nine cars out front dude that's yeah some some filipino families are down for that because it's like save it's money. comfortable well yeah. yeah it's it's to save money and that's what they're used to in the philippines in the philippines that's what you get yeah true philippines is one of the most highly populated in manila per capita isn't it like the highest population per fucking it, like it square mile be. or something it might still be yeah might still be so yeah that's the uh common theme so thank you everybody for listening to our stories and experiencing <laughs> a little bit of filipino culture beyond what you know of adobo lechon pork and lumpia and manny pacquiao and if you're sitting there being like what the fuck is a filipino we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, I was I, at the end of the day, I feel like I was really lucky to grow grow up in San Diego around so many different types of Asians. I mean, like Japanese, Korean, you name it. They were all like there's a a community of each major more like well-known Asian group in the Philippines. Is it is it racist for me to say the food was probably really good? Mm, yes, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think I don't know if it is really um, fattening. Yeah. No, dude, I was like, I was back there in San Diego for a little bit earlier in December, and I went to one of the top ramen places in the world. <laughs> one of the top ramen places. Yeah, you know that that round dude that almost got. I think he got me tooed. His name was like Zimmerman, the weird. Oh, Andrew dude. Zimmerman. Andrew Zimmerman. Yeah. What did he just like come on a sandwich no, and try and feed no, it to someone? No, he didn't get me tooed. He he got in trouble for. Like, people thought he was saying something racist because he said something about Chinese food or something? Nah, he probably, he probably was, but... You know. I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't really, like, get it when I read the article. That's I'm, the guy who ate too much food, right? 
Like no. that was his thing is like he went around. No, that's man versus food. Oh, this is the guy that ate weird foods from different countries. Anthony Bourdain. No, that's a different. Uh, he's like a bald. Oh yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Okay, I know, I know. Andrew Zimmerman. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, he uh he he went to this ramen place in San Diego and said it was like really, really, really his favorite place in the world. Damn. Yeah. It's pretty anyway, badass. It's called Menya Ultra. If you're ever around there, it's so good. And you have to wait for an hour. Oh fuck that. No, nah, well, you can get a ticket and then go home and they'll text you. That's even more ridiculous. Yeah. I just go to another <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Dude, no, but that's what they do in Japan. Really? Yeah. If like there's a really super pop in Japanese place, some of them have like invented that system. They say take a number and then when you're when maybe 15 minutes until you go up, they'll like call you or text you and you can come back. I mean, I've been to like Applebee's and they gave me like this thing that buzzed and vibrated. Yeah. Like you can get that at Applebee's or uh, what's it called? Cheesecake Factory? Cheesesteak Factory. Yeah. Or like a buffet at the casino or something. Damn. We covered a lot of heavy topics, man. Yeah. Pretty heavy episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this content sandwich. We're trying something new today. If you don't like it, you can email us. I'm gonna eat my fucking shorts at artprospodcast.gmail. <laughs> or at artprospodcast Ooh. at gmail.com. Dang. All I'm saying is uh I just felt a wave of Pinoy pride today and I had to share it with our many, many millions of listeners. Yeah, all all of you. all millions of you we'll be back with uh another episode next week and more content art related most likely because that's you know content (laughs) you know that uh i think we're regressing the (laughs) what's going what's happening to us the uh the art market's grown by like 73 percent what since like 2008 Whoa, how? I don't know, but... What? Women only make up about 2% of sales in the art market. Whoa, so, so really? Maybe, yeah, so maybe if you want to hear about that, tune in next week. 2%? Yeah, in, in major auctions. But the thing is, still, the value of their work upon second sale goes up by like 75% on average. Versus, oh, and they're not seeing any of that. No, versus their male counterparts who whose value goes up like 8%. So Dude, it stays pretty much even. Yeah, they're not seeing any of that. That's, that's a good sucks. point. Yeah. So wow. if you guys want to hear two art bros talk about, I don't know, women's rights in, in the auction <laughs> scene or something next week, tune in. We'll be giving our very ignorant uh, points of view as two people who are not featured in the auction scene. And once again, thank you everybody for making it this far into our episode. <laughs> uh, maybe we should start giving out prizes. Yeah, we'll give out like some codes at the end that you can use for. I don't know. Let's just collect free coupon codes from like Honey.com and. No, if you if you DM us the code word, I'm gonna speak at the very end of this episode. I'll send you point oh three Ethereum, which is probably like like four dollars or something <laughs> yeah so just dm us at paid.artists on instagram and i'll send you that i just want to see no one's gonna no one's gonna catch this but the code word is all my heroes are cornballs by jpeg mafia
All right, I'm DMing you right now. <laughs> I want that $4. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyways, yeah. Love you guys. Um, oh, dude, we just got our first fan art. I forgot. We forgot to post it. Oh, yeah, we'll post it at some point. Yeah, so send us fan art. I don't know if you feel like it. All right, love you guys. <laughs> Peace. Peace.